0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
1: Worried about keeping up with your fave
0: friends all summer? Or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile, you're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply.
1: For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak and the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side, looking just so good. Mmm. Mm, grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. Bah, 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 bah. I participate in McDonald's.
0: Now that the NFL season has come to an end, your favorite sports podcasts are bringing you all the NBA coverage you want. Check out the big podcast with Shaq, The Dan Patrick Show, and the Lakers podcast for daily NBA updates and the analysis you need before every single game. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, podcastone.com. Apple Podcasts and any of your favorite podcast listening apps alrighty it is uh, the 20th of February this is the PFF forecast this is our first pre or last sorry forecast before the combine which is exciting yes the the music for the combine that they play on the commercial gets me very hyped up really yeah i really like that music i think it's underrated anyways we're going to talk uh, about the nfl schedule changes i'm going to try and convince uh, eric that it would have me- meant the chiefs didn't win the super bowl so that should be fun um we've got some news on drew Brees, uh darius Slay, von diggs uh, and greg olson we're gonna talk about that what it means. Um, do the Bengals trade down uh, and tank? Or do they stick with uh, Joe They already Burrow? tanked. With Joe Burrow. We've got some Isaiah Simmons talk. And then um, a little uh, XFL Week 3, which nice. is going to get me really excited. So, um, yeah, let's rock it out here. Let's start with the NFL schedule. So the big change is that the playoffs next year will be different. Yeah, um, you looked at me like I was wrong. No, that's the change that will mm-hmm. happen next year. So it'll be it would be two and seven seeds two and uh, would play seed seven. Seed seven would not have made the playoffs last year, and they would make the playoffs next year. Yeah, and then the only buy would go to the number one seeded team. Right, which means that we would have had games between Kansas City and Pittsburgh, and Green Bay, and the Los Angeles Rams. What are your big What are your big takeaways from this this part of the change?
1: This is very similar in many ways to the way that the playoffs used to be prior to the expansion in nineteen ninety. Back in the day, the reason that the first round is called the wild card round and the second round is called the divisional round is because when there were five teams per, all three division winners got buys, and then the two wild cards played in the first round the two and three seeds both got buys but played each other in the second round, right? So it's very similar except for the fact that, you know, basically the two and three seeds-ish would be playing in the second round without a buy, you know, now. Um, Which, of course, makes their chances of making the Super Bowl lower because they got across the street once uh, on the way. But I don't think it makes, in a strange way, I do think it makes the number one seed more likely to make the Super Bowl um, and we we saw that. I mean, there was only one team prior to playoff expansion in the history of the NFL that was a wild card team that even made the Super Bowl, and zero that won it. Uh, so I do think while you are exp- expanding the playoffs, you are making it more difficult for the teams that are wild cards slash not even like non buy teams to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about that is that a,
0: obviously two teams with a buy made the super bowl this year and have done so since 2012 right and the last team that even won a, you know the, the ravens were the team that won it uh having played in the wild card round and that was ages ago and that was with Joe flacco and like after being sprinkled with fairy dust um but what is interesting about this though is that kansas city would have had to play pittsburgh now pittsburgh is was not a good team right it would have yeah. been duck hodges or or mason rudolph or whatever. But that's not the point. Say they win by 20. I don't care about that. What I do care about is that they had to play. They didn't get an entire week off. They didn't get to rest. Andy Reid didn't have a chance to prepare for all of the playoffs. That one week is so massive. And it doesn't mean that I think they wouldn't have made it to the Super Bowl. My question is, does it make them uh, that much worse of a team? You know, Once they're in the Super Bowl, they have played an extra game.
1: I don't think it makes them so the the key the key and the cool thing about the Super Bowl is that both teams get a bye going into it. So I do I don't think that winning the Super Bowl would have been any less likely. I think making it would have been. I think the 49ers would the Forty Nineers would have had an even better chance of making the Super Bowl than they had this year. And the Chiefs by virtue of having crossed needing to cross the road one more time. Let's like, let's even say But they got here's the thing. They played the Texans and the Titans. Yeah but that but that's again like the same like the th- the whole thing plays out the same if the 2 seed wins. I get it. Yeah, you don't, so I'm not saying it not, it's playing out any differently. My thing is it's a,
0: playing in an NFL game is an undertaking.
1: Yeah, you I get nicked up. But that's what I'm saying, it making it to but the but the buy I think the buy alleviates a great deal of the issues. So hmm. I I agree with you that they had a lower chance of making it to the Super Bowl. But I don't think that they would have had a smaller chance Depending of winning it, pending they make it, because they, they get a buy anyway. Hmm. It's it's the making the Super Bowl part that's an that's issue, right? Because both teams they have a they have a better way, better chance of being banged up and injured, right? So there's a better chance that Tyreek Hill is injured. But or how much? But how much more? How much more of it? Patrick I mean,
0: Holmes is injured, or
1: yeah. But you're talking so
0: again, coming from a guy that has had a calf strain for more than two weeks, <laughs> it's interesting that you're trying to convince
1: me that two weeks just like alleviates all no, of but the... both but 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 i would say i agree with you in the sense that like i think it does have an effect but it's a far bigger so like let's let's assume that the chiefs were what would they be against pittsburgh at home probably 10 no probably 13 point favorites right because they least. were 10 10 ish point favorites i against was going and a half yeah. and so so you're talking i mean even if you say like very very liberally that they have a 90 10 chance of winning that game like that's you know so that takes them from a twenty five percent to win the Super Bowl down to a you know twenty two and a half percent. That's the bigger jump. Once they get there, I agree with you that there is a trace chance that there is an injury that happens in that first week, or there's a residual effect that happens the second and third week. But I don't think it's that big in magnitude, especially because we we talked about this going into the playoffs. The the injuries that we see. Like there, Juan Thornhill tears his ACL in week 17, had a terrific season, worth a third of a win above replacement. And ultimately, it probably mattered a little bit, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to come down to, is your quarterback healthy? Are, are his weapons healthy? And does it matter all that much? And so I agree with you, it probably has a small effect, but the biggest effect is the probability of simply not making the Super Bowl in the first place.
0: The 49ers would have been Super Bowl champions had this stupid rule been put in place, and I'm pissed off about it. The Packers-Rams game would have been the far more interesting one.
1: Right, because the, the Rams would have given the Packers a game because the Rams are actually pretty talented. That would have been a real game. Um, what, what do you think the spread would have been in that game? Uh, in Lambeau Field, um, oh, man. I, I, I think it would have been probably minus four and a half. Ooh. I, I,
0: I think that's what it should have been. My guess is that it would have been a little higher than that. And I would have f-
1: smashed... Yeah, I would have taken the Rams. Yeah, I would have, I would have smashed. So the, the, because the only reason I say that is because uh, I almost said St. Louis. The the Los Angeles Rams were six point underdogs when they went to San Francisco in Week 16. Covered that. San Francisco, as we found out, is a much better team than the than the, uh, than the uh, Green Bay Packers. But the Green Bay Packers have a little bit better home field advantage. I don't know. Well, you know, and here's the thing: who's the better running back, Aaron Jones? So you know, you, you sort of decide at the end there uh, to go with. Uh, I mean, it would have been. It, what's
0: really interesting about that is it's Lafleur versus McVay. and I, I mean, people have, were excited about Matt Lafleur because they went thirteen and three. I was not overly excited about him, given that their offense, you know, was just. If eh,
1: you if you take what their... you had
0: with McCarthy, so there's this bigger brother, little brother dynamic when you have. You know yeah. McVay, Lafleur, and yeah. that game is legitimately interesting. And then you have, and then you have kind of a shakeup uh, on the NFC side, right? So you would have, um, so the Seahawks would have been the highest seed, right? Because the Vikings.
1: Well, so so, beat so the, the Saints, yeah, Minnesota beat the Saints. Well, right. So if if somehow the Rams would have beaten the Packers, then the. Right. So that that's the tricky thing. So now the 2 seed is not guaranteed to have a home play. and so you could get a wild card team with a with no nah, is that true though? Yeah, right? Yeah. Cuz there are three wild card teams. So Five, if all six, three wild seven. card teams win, so there's a chance that a wild card team could host the second round of so the, the playoffs. So the Seahawks
0: are playing at home. Yeah, against what? the Rams. That's a good game too. Yeah, yeah, the Seahawks are favored. Maybe the Seahawks win. They, I mean, the Seahawks Niners. Rams is
1: a great Thursday night football game. Yeah, the the Seahawks
0: win. The Seahawks actually gave the Niners a hell of a game twice. Yep. You know, so th- th- I I just think this is great because it gives you more. that obviously gives you more games to watch, more games to bet on, more things to talk about. That's awesome. But it also gives there a little bit more parity more chances of kind of craziness happening, which I think is good. Here's the other question that I have. I've been going back and forth on this. Do you think it makes the regular season at the end of the regular season more or less interesting?
1: More. I mean, because you've seen what happens in baseball. In baseball, the addition to the playoffs in baseball are nowhere near as uh, tangible as this, right? Because in baseball, it's a one-game playoff. And yet, like, you've... Baseball used to be this sport where, like, Eighty percent of the teams were meaningless by July, yeah. and now you have even like these god awful eighty-six win teams are going are have a chance to play for a one game play in, and people are compelled as much as as compelled as they can be about baseball, and in the NFL you get an, a, the equivalent of a seven game series even if you're the seventh seed right, and and it, so it is it is great. The interesting thing, which I think will be fun to to talk about. Is the jockeying for position will be even more fierce because that, you know, when we were we were watching week 17, I was elated that the Chiefs got the two seed, mm-hmm. Right. The fact that they were like two games away from the one seed was like immaterial. To, I, I didn't care. Right? Like I you just I wanted to buy. I yeah. just wanted to buy because the buy was really the indicator variable. Right. It has been for years. Um, but now the, 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 the buy is the indicator variable, but it's one seat. It's singular and there, and I, and I personally, and I know you like it because it probably would have made the Niners a better chance to win the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm thinking about how different our yeah. walk yeah. to find a taxi cab is when <laughs> I'm the one I'm the one on Twitter. I thank God every day. My calf wasn't like hurt when oh my like, God. Can you imagine that for so, those of you,
0: by the way, for those of you that are listening, that have no idea what's happened. Eric sprained his calf, strained his calf. He thought it was a Kevin Durant-esque injury. We don't need to relive that. The point is that I believe it's getting worse. Your stagger, it's not even really a limp. It's a stagger that you've been kind of putzing around with. In my opinion, is getting more pronounced. Look, I'm worried that it's having a negative effect. You're wearing two collars right now. I am. I'm not wearing a
1: single one. You're wearing two Look, colors. I had to make up for that. I'm worried the drugs are having an effect so, on you. No, but I, I think I, it matters. Now what, what's cool, and I think sometimes the playoffs, so it's, they're very much this way in the NCAA basketball. The playoffs are a tough nut to crack because you want it to be small enough so that the best team wins the majority of the time, or, or a plurality of the time, a fair amount of time. But you want them to be big enough to include the best team all the time. And, like, I always think about the 2010 Packers. The 2010 Packers were the best team in the NFL, but because they had injuries and lost six games by four points or less, they were 10-6 and and got the 60. They would not have made the playoffs in the old system. Now they make the playoffs and they win. Like, that's good. You want the best team in the playoffs. But you also want the best team to win it a fair amount of time. And sometimes in some tournament structures, the best team doesn't win it enough, in my opinion. And in this structure... The best team probably will win it more often than not, which I think is a just outcome. Like they still have to earn it on the field. But I think I I do think giving away one bot like the the Baltimore Ravens were two games better than any team in the AFC this year. Like they deserve a game off. There's just no way that adding another football game on the first weekend of the playoffs is bad. bad, Yeah, yeah, like they just you can't make that, especially if you like the XFL. As you said on Twitter.
0: You're really just going to steal that from me? <laughs> I <laughs> well, was setting that up the whole time. I was going to talk about it right here, and you just fucking snatched it from me. You asshole. Jesus. I had one good line this entire podcast. You have had a it. bunch of good lines. Ugh. I'm sorry. I, I agree with you, though. In general, it makes the regular season more exciting, and that's what you want. At the end of the regular season— Very seldom do we see a, hey, the one and two seeds care that much, you know, because it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to risk injury for this trace chance of getting the one seed. But where it really matters is those games between teams that are teetering on mediocrity, potentially overcoming injuries, trying to squeak into the playoffs. Those are the ones that become exciting. And week 17 desperately needs that. We have only seen a couple of games kind of matter in week 17. You know the the game last year obviously was great between the Niners and the Seahawks, but the year before it was this god awful game between Blaine
1: Gabbert and Andrew Luck. Like, and the, that we, was the year before game. that, there was there no wasn't Senate, game. It wasn't even a Sunday night football game. Here, and, and again, I also think it makes jockeying for this the other seeds important too, because generally speaking, the difference between the three and four seed is trivial. Like we saw. Was it 2017? I think we use this as one of our bets, but like the Rams had the four seed sewn up, but there was a legitimate chance they could get the three seed. But McVeigh rested his starters because you didn't see a huge difference between the three seed and the four seed. And a lot of that stems from the fact there isn't that much of a difference between the one seed and the two seed in the old system. So. But now it's like, well, the difference between the three and four seed is legitimate because if the two seed falls in the first round, then like the three seed then gets a freaking home game in the second round. And so there's even really matters. There's even more of a there's even more of a, you know, and then the four seed doesn't even have to play the one seed, all that kind of stuff. Like there's there's actual like tangible benefits in in working out this way. And to, to my earlier point. The best team still has a the highest probability of winning the Super Bowl and by a wide margin it only gets bigger right? that's what i'm saying, and so there's a there's a it increases the incentive structure in the regular season for more teams, which is a good thing yes the one
0: addition that I would like to make, and we're going to talk about the very briefly the addition that is then proposed for the following season, which is a seventeenth game. the addition that I would also like to make is that the higher seed so the two seed gets to choose first which of the teams they want to play and then the three seed gets to choose of the two remaining wild card teams which team they want to play and that way you've got this built-in animosity so let's say there's a big gap (laughs) we want bama so kansas city kansas city has a huge gap between them and pittsburgh right there's no doubt about it but let's say they choose pittsburgh hey pittsburgh you're the team we want to play that's the type of edge that the Steelers need to make that game a little more exciting. I just think that would be an awesome addition you that'd be so great. I don't know that you need to do that in the second round necessarily. Have the first seed get to select who they want to play, but I think that'd be awesome. I think it adds gamesmanship um, it adds a, a sense of like matchup things to talk about. you know we would sit there and we go like who would you choose right Yeah. i mean it is legitimately fascinating it would it would implement i think new ways of people th- leveraging data to make choices about who they want to play because it really matters um so that'd be an addition i'd like to see would you co sign
1: for sure i mean the the thing is is like there's there's a a the smart teams get to figure it out then right like you you know how you match up with another team could like if you're baltimore for example do you want to play the Tennessee Titans, or do you want to play like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, no, you know who they want to play? <laughs> the Houston freaking yeah, yeah, exactly. Texas. Exactly. That's I, who they want to play. That's what I'm saying. Or like there are, there are probably there are other matchups, right? Like Kansas City. Do you want to play like they're choosing Duck Hodges? Yeah, they're, I mean, just yeah, no they're choosing Duck Hodges. But you know what I'm saying? Like there are there are matchups. There are teams that match up differently than other teams. Um, For example, Seattle, San Francisco, I think the gap between quality in those two teams is substantial. But when they get on the field together, it's a lot closer than it ever should be. San Francisco isn't choosing Seattle. Yeah, They're They're choosing Minnesota. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because Minnesota is a good—the gap between Minnesota and San Francisco—people are going to say this is stupid because Seattle beat Minnesota, but bear with me— The gap between San Francisco and Minnesota is smaller than the gap between San Francisco and Seattle. But Seattle matches up so much better with San Francisco that they would probably prefer Minnesota. That's why quarterbacks matter. Well, quarterbacks matter, and I mean,
0: that's what it is. You,
1: Kirk Cousins is not doing
0: anything to elevate
1: himself yeah. above the. But ability you look at the twenty-one team. starters on Minnesota relative to the twenty-one starters on Seattle, other than QB. But the it's po- not even close. But the point is, and I agree with you. But the point is not that it's that there is a large gap between
0: both teams. Yeah. and only one team. Is that me? That's you, man. What the fuck? I'm I'm on edge today. I'm a little. I'm tilted by a few people that have drawn my ire. Um, and now, my computer's misbehaving. The point is not that either one is close to the Niners. both are far away it 's that only one team has a quarterback that is capable of elevating either of his yeah, of yeah. those two you know not great teams into a spot where they can compete with a great team.
1: What I love about this though and and this is again like not to not to talk about the xFL too much, but what what this what I really like about new leagues or new rules, and this is, this is a great league that's getting a new rule, is it makes us think about the game we love again. The 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 best part about new rules is it makes us reevaluate our assumptions when they move the kickoff from the 30 to the 35 mm-hmm. It changed the way we thought about the game yep. When they move the touchback from the 20 to 25 when they move the extra point from the 20 to the 33 This like all this, the, this makes us think about the game in an intelligent way do you think and it builds do you the off season up?
0: I do think, you think they're just trying to steal the news cycle back from the major league baseball bullshit Because that's been really exciting Talk, having to talk about baseball at this time of the year when usually we don't get to, you know, bitch and moan about it until like pitchers and catchers and know. then like opening day and then for the next. So all here, the
1: web here's a diversion for a second. What, what what would you do if you were in charge of Major League Baseball for the with respect to the Astros? Oh, um, neither one of us is opined on this to each other.
0: I mean, I just think it's such a. A phrase I haven't used in a really long time. It's such a bitch made move, banging on trash cans using an Excel. Accept- what really triggered me <laughs> was that they they acted like using an Excel program. Yeah, that's I think the phrasing a they macro. used was f- fucking sent me into orbit. I was like, this is this is how analytics is getting labeled. Some douchebag on an Excel spreadsheet. I would have suspended as many players as I could confirm cheated, and the problem is that they probably would have had a hard time confirming the cheating without giving them anonymity, at least from what I know. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing about baseball. No one is talking about baseball. It's a dying sport. You could, I, I hate going and watching baseball games. It's not fun um, until, like, the
1: World Series. Well, that Reds game we went to, we didn't even watch the game. Right, <laughs> I have no idea what
0: happened in that game. I couldn't tell you one thing that happened in that game. So this was, this was the best thing that's happened for Major League Baseball
1: in, since steroids. In my opinion, I think... I think that this is getting I agree with you that I don't think you can suspend all the players. This is an airing out. This is a white light on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that th- having to watch the astro players play again is is the league sort of like it's it's, it's, awesome. it's the it's the overarching like penalty for the league. Like the fact that this black mark has to be carried through the entire season is bad. No one is watching a week two of the Major League Baseball season Astros game if this doesn't happen. Here's
0: what I really love about this. But now every Jose Altuve at bat is going to be leading sports center. It's the best thing that's happened to baseball. Um, I think they may have set it up themselves.
1: Here's the greatest thing about it. Everybody – so the Astros have one of the smarter analytics groups in all of Major League Baseball, Mm -hmm. and this entire thing is undermined analytics – and True. so the but people the, the, the people, are, people are Baker. people are going to take the wrong people are going to take the wrong conclusion from this, which is, oh, analytics aren't actually that important. Yeah. And that's an opportunity. Oh, you're right.
0: You're very right. All right. The the other uh, change to the schedule would be a week. Uh, sorry, a 17th game. And you have some thoughts on what that 17th game should be.
1: I do. I, I think it would be cool. If the seventeenth game because the way the the problem that I have I have no issue with expanding the playoffs, I have a small issue with expanding the schedule, and here 's why i don 't have an issue with the players playing seventeen games if they're mm-hmm. if they 're compensated, but the way that it goes now, you have what two conferences right of sixteen teams, two to the fourth power, you have eight divisions two to the third power of four teams two to the second power, you have sixteen games right. The way that it works now, you play six games against your own division, four against an AFC division, four against an NFC division, and then the two that are left over are where you finished, right? Makes sense. It all makes sense. So where does that stray 17th game come from? And to me, I think struggling there. What's that? You're struggling there I, to find a uh, well. I mathematically think it, a- applicable. Well, to me, I think it has to be a yearly. And, of course, this is not going to work greatly because you play at AFC, the same team in the AFC every four years. But it has to be an AFC rivalry game mm. for an NFC team and vice versa. So, for example, Kansas City versus Green Bay is a pretty good rivalry. Kansas City used to train in Wisconsin mm. in, the, in the preseason. Mm. relatively geographically close obviously the jets giants would be a good one um and uh you know rams chargers would be a natural one uh you know it gets a little trickier when you start to talk about other game you know other teams and stuff like that but you could create this sort of sub rivalry of two teams that play each other every single year
0: i don't disagree with you um some other rivalries that i thought of okay um greg robinson versus border patrol oh
1: I, I would. Well, really the one enjoy that
0: I watching that the one that, that I've used season.
1: was uh, was was Josh Allen versus completion percentage. I don't know if you know this, his completion percentage went way up
0: now that he throws the ball way shorter. Yeah, well, <laughs> weird. Which uh, which is interesting. Um, another good one would be Philip Rivers versus contraception. That would be a rivalry um, from different conferences. What about certainly?
1: What about interesting? An, what about Antonio Brown versus functioning synapses? <laughs> dude his,
0: <laughs> he if you don't if you have not watched antonio brown's music videos you need to go he just put out a music video for a song called andrew luck dude i can't even explain it to you You just have to go watch it it's the fucking worst thing i've ever seen in my life and i love antonio brown from a like entertainment standpoint, right, right, right and as a football player like he's awesome this is tough to watch this is very touch tough to watch
1: um what are some other good ones? Uh, Todd Gurley versus Cartilage. Stop. That's brutal. Drew Brees versus a gust of wind. <laughs> um, Bruce I, Arians versus the Sun's Rays. Yeah,
0: you're really on fire here. Uh, I have some that are written down uh, somewhere if I can find them. Um, oh, man. Where did they go? Hmm. I don't know where I put them. I thought I had more. But maybe not. Uh I like I like the Bruce Arians versus the Sun's Rays. That was a good yeah. one too. I really like that edition that you had. Um
1: Kirk Cousins versus Puberty.
0: <laughs> oh man. <Is> hot? <gasps> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh I have one about Aaron Hernandez. I'm not gonna say that one.
1: Uh, um I think you've already said it just by throwing yeah, it out. There. We'll we'll lay that one to rest. Uh yeah, so that's good. Ready to move on? Baseball versus relevancy. <laughs> let's move on.
0: <laughs> All right, let's run through this, uh, some of this news real quick. So Drew Brees comes back, and my question to you is this. Does Drew Brees need more help to win a Super Bowl, or can they win it as they are?
1: Uh, uh, of course they can. I, they're not going to be as likely to win the Super Bowl as they were going into the playoffs last year unless they get him help. I think it's to the point where the help they need
0: to give him is just him to get more rest and I don't know how that happens, but like load week, management for quarterback week fifteen and, or week sixteen and seventeen last year like the dude fell off a cliff from a PFF grading standpoint and they don't have they just don't attack the deep levels of the field and in the playoffs, you have just more opportunity to face defenses that are thinking really critically about what your weaknesses are. They don't stretch the field that way. I mean, looking at the, the heat maps that Timo that creates to show like where you're attacking down the field, um, throughout the field... It, Everything for the Saints past 15 yards is below league average except like out to the sidelines right right so they're not attacking the seams they're not attacking the middle of the field deep and to me that's a huge issue for them so I would say that in order for them to in order for them to be the best team you know coming out of the NFC with the best chance to win the Super Bowl they have to get more help or else it's going to be another one of these, Drew Brees is this old, he's played this many games, and then we're in a situation where you watch the game and you go, you know what, they need to play Taysom Hill more, and we're like right back where we are before.
1: Taysom Hill was the best player against the Vikings. That was my point. I walked away
0: from that game, and I thought the reason they lost his game was they didn't play Taysom Hill (laughs) enough. Which is not a good place to be in. No, it's not. Um, But I still think, here's the thing with Drew Brees, is that his accuracy is transcendent. I mean, the guy had a 141 pass rating throwing to the intermediate level of the field. You have Michael Thomas, who just attacks that level like nothing else. And you have Sean Payton, who is still one of the best offensive coaches in the NFL. So they're going to be there. It's just if you are trying to right. beat uh, like the great teams, yeah. you've got to be able to attack the deep.
1: Level but th- of the field. This is the exact same thing about this is the same thing as like the baseball discussion was 15 years ago with the Oakland A's. It's like if you have high han base percentage and pitch you know have decent depth in your pitching staff right you can win 100 out of 162 games but can you mm-hmm. win the playoff games when you need home runs and and, and an ace right like it's true. the 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 the, the, the saints are good enough to dink and dunk their way to 13 wins we've seen that the question is is when you play a little bit better defenses and offenses that can capitalize on the fact that you can't you're not as explosive Like, can you win the three games you need to to win the Super Bowl? And so far in the Breeze era, that has happened one time. And the one time, you know, we talk about rule changes. Like, when they immediately changed the overtime rule right after the Saints beat the Vikings in the NFC Championship game, it's sort of the same thing. But, like, you know, the the Saints have won one Super Bowl, and it was because of turnovers in the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl that they did so. It's tough to win the way that the Saints win In the playoffs because they cross The street a million times to get to the end zone Whereas you know teams like the Niners and the Chiefs for example are big play teams Yep Uh, Greg Olson does he move the needle For the Seahawks? I think so I mean He's certainly not as good as he used to be but From as far as Seattle At the tight end position he's better than what they've had Sure but he Here's the interesting thing about Greg Olson So there's part of me which says We don't
0: really know because he Played with a subpar quarterback play for the past three years and his grade PFF grade took a huge dip over the past three years relative to what he was before. He also got injured a lot. Now, I think part of that is the fact that Cam Newton is making him stretch out for these un, you know, almost uncatchable throws and the poor guy is getting beaten to hell and now he's in a situation where that won't be the case. And is that going to give him a few more snaps? I mean, the guy played four, about 450 snaps, then another 450 snaps, and then about 700 last year. He hasn't played over 1,000 snaps in three years. You can get, if you can play him the right 650, 700 snaps, yep. that really matters. And for the Seahawks who do run the ball a ton, you say, okay, well, we're not going to make you run block a whole lot. Right, we're gonna play you in situations where you can be, actually be useful, and when you get the pass thrown to you, it ain't gonna be this thing that's like over your head where you're having to contort yourself and and risk injury. It's gonna be can you win before the catch, and I think you can.
1: Yeah, I so okay. So Seattle acquires Greg Olson. They have Tyler Lockett already. They have DK Metcalf. Offensive line is better than it's been in the past, but not sure. great. Jermaine Fetty's a free agent, all that kind of stuff. What is Seattle, What's Seattle have to do in the next three, four months to make the, the, the gap, which I, in my opinion is sizable, between them and the 49ers shrink? They need to stop playing base defense <laughs> on every play. Right. I think
0: that's huge, man. Uh, to me, it's about they, their inability to cover on the back end yep. and then their inability to press their advantage On the offensive end and I to me this this is a sign if nothing else that they're going to press that advantage a little bit more because they're investing in a player for one year who's let's face it you're you're buying you're paying seven million dollars for him to catch passes from Russell Wilson. And if you have three guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Greg Olson, you got to throw the ball to feed all of those mouths, right? So to me, this is a little bit—this could be a sign that they are willing to do one of those things. Does it somehow get them to play less base on the other end? I have no idea. Yeah. Those are my thoughts.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's more tacti- tactical than it is personnel, isn't it? I mean. I think so. They, I mean, you just can, can't have Ugo Amadi out there on Devontae Adams. On well, they're not. Yeah. And that personnel is a function of the approach. It's not, you know, like if you if you said, okay, we need to play nickel you're not going to have Jamar Taylor as your nickel for half the year and then Ugu Amade when you're playing you know, in the playoffs. You're going to say, well, we have to be a modern defense and hence we have to acquire modern defensive players. Speaking of modern defensive players, there are two players that are on
0: the trade block, maybe on the trade block. One of them is Darius Slay. Now, you brought up something that was really funny about Darius Slay, which is that the Rams are interested. <laughs> and my question is, are they trading, like, the rights to a TV script from some Hollywood writer that is on strike and has been feeding them some, uh, some goodies for Darius Slay? Cause they have nothing to trade. Uh, they're certainly not... Todd Did- Gurley for Darius Slay, who says No. Jeez. Can you imagine you imagine
1: the re- the, the Lions being like, Look, that's, <laughs> what we've missed over the last few years is a bell cow running back <laughs> and and that's why we went three, uh, twelve, and one this we, year. And
0: then our our talking about how the Lions are gonna go worst to first. Dude. Just tanks. The interesting thing about Darius Slay, and I always this is always my question when it comes to NFL teams trading guys or letting guys go in free agency. So Darius Slay had his lowest graded season. Since his rookie year last year, yeah. he was also injured a little bit. Coverage we know is unstable. Right. So is this, is this the, the lion saying we actually know something that others don't? We're trying to get rid of him before he has another bad year and recoup something from him. Or is this an opportunity for a team to take advantage of the fact that coverage is unstable, that maybe he was banged up, and this is a guy that is
1: good enough based on the past five years of his career that you say hey this can really improve our coverage this is today. this is richard sherman to the 49ers in my opinion like richard sherman had had for him i mean he's had a brilliant career but for him his last few years in seattle were less effective injury prone the niners did a great job of scooping him up he was a key contributor to the super bowl run this year yeah i mean it's a it's a good move i I, you know and i think the same thing about a lot of these guys so there's a there's a rumor that the that the jets are gonna release trumaine johnson like trumaine johnson has had a good career to some degree he went to the jets and sucked but he could go to a team as like a also ran cornerback and have a good like good run or two right like and the same thing is true about Slay. Slay's had a brilliant career. His last few years have not been that great. He could go somewhere and be, you know, not Sherman-like, but pretty damn good. And that's that's going to take a defense from, you know, middle of the pack to elite. Yeah. Is, is this a sign that the Lions are saying,
0: maybe we're going to take Tua, we're going to move to the future? I actually don't think it is. I, I believe that Patricia just, no. you know, that, that they think they can continue to, to improve without Darius Slay back there and it gets kind of it allows him to play more of this this defense that he wants yeah, which yeah. is uh, I'm the mastermind I put you in the place you were supposed to be <laughs> which, which is not is even what
1: Belichick does Belichick has the the guy he paid he is has a Clark horse Gilmore. is, is yep. Gilmore here's a funny thing about the Rams so I just looked, I looked at them and on first blush I'm like oh they have 15 million in cap space oh that's better than like a few teams here are the number of players they their top four High, most highest-paid players, would be negative if you cut them. Goff, Donald, Gurley, Cooks. Now, you're not cutting the, the top two guys. And then you have other guys. Higby is cheaper to keep than to cut. Robert Woods is cheaper to keep than to cut. Johnny Hecker, the punter, is cheaper to keep than to cut. The, Rob Havenstein is five times cheaper to keep than to cut. It's, they, their situation with Robert Woods is the same. They're, they're in a rough they're spot. They're in a rough spot and... What's even worse is that Jalen Ramsey, you traded two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey – Without the guarantee, you didn't sign him right away. Mm-hmm. So now you're sitting here like this dude comes to the negotiation table and lays his balls on the table. He's like, "Look, you're not you you have no leverage here. There's at all. Zero chance that you can let him walk. There's zero chance. You there's no face you can save. And that's again, he didn't even play that well with the Rams. He played. He's he's a good corner. We would consider him one of the best in the league moving forward. But it's you you paid, and this is draft season in a nutshell. You paid a certainty price for something that's wildly uncertain. The point that it underscores, though, is the best point,
0: which is none of this matters if Jared Goff does a top five quarterback. But if he is a bottom 15 quarterback, it looks really bad really quickly. Um, Let's move on to Stefan Diggs. But before we do, one team that you would love to see trade for Darius.
1: Uh, I mean, in all honesty, like a team like the Bengals. Oh, interesting. Like, well cuz they have they have the first pick in the second round. I think the I think oh, that, see, I think I think you get him for cheaper. Okay. Cuz Cause, cause slay, I mean, he is getting older for sure. He's getting older. But you you have the first pick in every round, so you could sort of say like, "Hey, we're we're only trading a third-round pick for Darius Slay, mm-hmm. but the team that's getting him is getting the basically the last pick in the second round." And the Bengals, like, are not that far away, in my opinion, from actually being decent, right? Burrow, we, you add Burrow, you maybe sign Robbie Anderson, as we said before, on, on the yeah. two-minute drill. You get Slay, Slay with William Jackson the third. Jesse Bates is a pretty good co- the safety. Mm-hmm. You have some guys up front in Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. Yeah, He's 29, you'll be in his contract here. I mean, because that's, like, how far are the Bengals away from contending. They're a ways away from Baltimore, but they're not that far away from Pittsburgh or okay. Cleveland. I, don't, I
0: do not hate that. I think there's a team that is closer to contending that I would like to see Darius Slate go to, and that is the Philadelphia. I League. was, I was, I was going to say it over time. Yeah, that, I have, it's good. I, I really believe that they need to attack. This is the type of move that the Eagles should make. Okay, You just paid Carson Wentz. You actually, I think, got Carson Wentz for a decent price. You certainly need wide receiver help. And we're going to talk about Stefan Diggs here in a second, but you could not cover anyone, and you won the Super Bowl because you picked up a guy in Patrick Robinson, who all of a sudden could cover some people. You had Ronald Darby, right, who is also a free agent, right? So they, and they just have not been able to cover of late. The Eagles are the team that makes a ton of sense to me.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. I and they have forty-four million in cap space. Um, like they could do some things. I don't know. Let's go. To, let's go to
0: Diggs though, because I Diggs you know, is certainly going to command a way higher price than than Darius Slay will. And the Eagles are a team that have that desperately need some wide receivers. You could see them making a play for Stefan Diggs. The New England Patriots have the 23rd pick. They desperately need wide receiver help. Is that is the fact that people are getting so excited about the at the opportunity to trade for Stephon Diggs not a huge red flag? To everyone in Minnesota and to all the people working for the Vikings? Unbelievable.
1: I mean, honestly, like, and, you know, growing up following the Vikings, this has happened before. Moss was one. they are like, we have no intention of trading Moss. And then they trade Moss, as I tweeted out the other day, for a draft pick and Napoleon Harris, who's a linebacker for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. They traded, and now, granted, they got a good value for Percy Harvin and probably traded him at the right time. But the same thing happened with Percy Harvin. We're not trading Percy Harvin. He's the best player on our team. Blah, blah, blah. They trade him for a number one. And granted, you know, Seattle won the Super Bowl the following year. The thing about Diggs is it makes zero sense to trade him. He has a good contract. He only makes fourteen and a half. You know, his cap number is fourteen and a half. I mean, that's not an egregious amount. He is a player. So the thing we talked about this internally the, the other day. The great thing about Diggs is he's not a one trick pony. In two thousand eighteen, he was a an underneath receiver and was very good at it. And last season. He only one player in the history of PFF has had consecutive 100 target seasons and increased their average depth of target more than Stephon Diggs last year, and he was great at that. So, like, if you're the Vikings, your problem wasn't that you had too many receivers, and this guy's a malcontent. The pro, your problem was you didn't have enough receivers, and this guy was carrying your offense. So, to to go out and be like, look, man, I mean, we it, this will never not piss me off. When players Stefan Diggs doesn't get in trouble with the law. He does he he doesn't he doesn't hit women. He doesn't he's not a problem. He's a tension, right? He's a tension. And if you can't manage tension, you shouldn't be a coach or a GM in the NFL. Manage the tension. The fact that he wants Kirk Cousins to play better just means he's a good damn receiver.
0: Wow. That was strong. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the other side of that, which is the reason that his average depth of target went so much higher is that they leaned into play action last year and he was for the most part the only guy that could make it 15 plus yards downfield in three seconds and so he was the guy that was targeted on those deep shots and so that was a huge reason why his his a dot you know he was targeted so much further down the field which is to say that he can win down the field and if you are a smart team you're running play action you're targeting him down the field and you should do that he led the nfl in deep receiving yards yep Targets 20-plus yards downfield. Um, he is, I would say, easily a top 10 wide receiver. Yes. And, and one that does not, as you said, have any baggage. The Minnesota Vikings have, are playing Ola B.C. Johnson and Laquan Treadwell at wide receiver. I mean, it, this is absolutely insane. And it, here's what it underscores for me. This is why you don't pay Kirk
1: Cousins that much money. Yeah. Stephon Diggs makes a million and a half less APY than Sammy Watkins. It's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> but, you, but here's the thing. If you have, and Tom Brady's the wrong guy to use in this case because no one's Tom Brady. Yeah. But, but if Stephon Diggs, if, if Kirk Cousins has any ounce of like, leadership in him, I don't think this is happening.
1: But, that, but that's why you don't – so, like, here's, here's, a, here's a thing, and I'm, and I'm not trying to make a comparison because, you know – because I'm not going to make the comparison even with Bridgewater. But Case Keenum, when he was the quarterback of the Vikings in 2017, no one pulled this shit, mm-hmm. right? Because Case Keenum was a bad quarterback, but, you know, had a good season. But there's a leadership aspect to it, right? And there's a leadership aspect to playing the position that you know. And ana- we capture it indirectly in analytics, right? Yep. But like, Kirk Cousins is a far more talented arm than Bridgewater a- oh, and absolutely. Keenum, and even Bradford. Diggs didn't pull this shit with Sam Bradford, who's like got crazy eyes, right? Like, there's there, like when you're That's a little. mark, when you're a That's mark, really mean. You come, he comes in and he's like he just he's been he's been doing this for 2 years and it's and it's because the quarterback just doesn't come in and say look man I'm the one that gives you the football have some respect for me like and and the fact that the and this was true about him in Washington right the fact that like that was the biggest overlooked thing Aside from the fact that of his inconsistencies on the field and, you know, his statistics and all that kind of stuff, how he needs a good offense to prop him up. To me, that was like one of the biggest things about Kirk Cousins that that they overlooked in signing him to this huge deal. Okay, I I I
0: am. I don't know that there isn't a team out there who should not call the Minnesota Vikings. I legitimately don't. Now, you're probably not giving up what a top. 14 pick. so i'm going through the nfl draft order and the first team that i come to that really gets my attention that you know talking about because i'm assuming it's taking a first rounder you can't possibly be giving them up for a second rounder can you but that being said the arizona cardinals at eight if they offer the eighth pick in the second round which i think they have is that getting it done
1: uh i mean Look, if you go, if you go pick forty and pick one hundred and fifty, yeah, I mean, sure, incredible. Okay, so that to me is a no-brainer. And the Vikings are gonna, the Vikings are gonna turn that fortieth pick into a center. So, you Good, know, kudos, right? Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders
0: have a ton of draft capital, right? They should be looking at trading for Stephon Diggs. Um, if the Miami Dolphins get two at five. I'm thinking about trading for Stephon Diggs. I mean, there's not a team that I'm not thinking about this. The Dallas
1: Cowboys, they let Amari Cooper walk. Diggs is a better player than Amari Cooper. Yes. So yeah. I'm thinking about uh, trying I to I mean, call if, you're the, if you're the Indianapolis Colts and you sign Teddy Bridgewater to a $15 million per year contract and you don't immediately turn around and ask the Vikings for Stephon Diggs, you are silly Here, here's With that kind of capital. And here's the point. So this is a very deep receiver draft.
0: And that's great. But if you're a team that is trying to win in the next two to three years and you have a first-round pick and you go, I'm going to take a receiver, trade it for Stefan Diggs. You know Stephon Diggs is good. Yeah. And say you're the Philadelphia Eagles at 21. You have Carson Wentz there. You are not looking for uh, Leviska Chenault to potentially be really good. Now, I personally think he's awesome, right? And if I'm a team like... I don't know the Tennessee Titans or the Miami Dolphins at 27 right like that sounds awesome but if I'm a team in, with a first round pick that could use a wide receiver and every single team can yeah
1: I'm calling the Minnesota Vikings the thing about it is is you're paying you're paying for the certainty with Diggs's contract but because Diggs's contract is relatively team friendly you're paying far less I mean rookie receivers are some of the more I mean they're scheme dependent, which we've already talked about. Diggs is relatively scheme independent. They are just performance noisy, right? And they're quarterback dependent, which again we've seen with Diggs, had success with Bridgewater, had success with Keenum, had success with Bradford, had success with Cousins. Like again, you're you're so you're you're so much more impervious. You dampen the noise so much when you when you Signed to Stephon Diggs, so if your team like the Colts That has tons of cap space You could, I mean the thing about the Colts Is you could, you could trade for him Tack a million or two more APY Into his contract and still be fine Right, and then you have Hilton and Diggs And a pretty good tight end in Jack Doyle And you're, you're moving Offensively, right, and you have a And if you sign a quarterback, again, the, the issue Here is just that Diggs flat out does not Respect the quarterback, the, the guy That plays quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings And I don't think that'll ever change like once once you've once you've made fun of the guy enough or once you've you know True. done the things, I mean, there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube there. Here's the thing. Diggs wins above replacement is
0: outperforming the mean for those late first round draft picks. Right. I mean, that's like, yeah, that that's what you have to keep in mind. And that and the and the uh, wideness of the distribution for those first round receivers is way wider. In other words, you could have certainly it could turn into Randy Moss. right but it could also be a huge bust right and so you're narrowing your um your variance and if you have a guy like carson Wentz, and i'm just going to go down the list of teams that have late you know first round picks the new england patriots i mean that's a no-brainer we've talked about it at 23 the
1: new orleans saints at 24 you kidding me michael thomas and Stephon diggs with drew Brees. what and if you have cap space the marginal value of each additional dollar is less so if you have a ton of cap space That's where, again, if you're a team like Minnesota and you don't have cap space, then I get paying for the uncertainty is costly. But if you do have cap space, it's less costly on a per-dollar basis. Yes.
0: Uh, I mean, every team except the Green Bay Packers, who the Vikings would probably never trade him to, um, should be making a phone call. The Ravens, the Niners, uh, and the the Seahawks. uh, The Seahawks would be great. I mean, can you imagine that? They won't trade their first for him just because it just doesn't feel like that a move that they want to make but you get my point here's the here's how i'll close this out if the minnesota vikings didn't have stefan Diggs, their 26 uh pick they should have been calling whoever has (laughs) stefan Diggs to try and trade for
1: and the and the vikings should be not the vikings should be rejecting all of these most of these offers and figuring out a way to manage this tension and given their history they won't
0: a guy that you wrote about Uh this week is isaiah simmons, so we're gonna transition now to the draft a little bit um, and Uh, we're gonna do this in in, uh, reverse order of the way I have it on the sheet We're gonna talk about trades for the Bengals in a second, but I want to make sure we talk about isaiah simmons because here's a guy who has played 100 plus snaps at like six different positions. I mean the guy's just all over the field and in today's nfl the positionless player in, in coverage on the back end, you know, not playing on the line, is a tremendous asset. Where where are you taking Isaiah Sims? Like, how high are you sitting there? You're going, hey, this guy could be whatever I want him to be. Let me put this guy on my defense. I don't need a quarterback.
1: How right. High? I mean, that's the point. I mean, and I'm writing an article, I've written an article already, about Anthony Gordon. In my opinion, this draft has two quarterbacks that are worthy of a first-round pick. So, by all means, you do whatever you have to do to take those two guys, um, or do you have one to begin with? And then after that, you consider the top players at wide receiver: the Ruggses and the and the Jerry Judys and 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 so on and so forth. C. The Ceedee Lamb shade is strong, and and then you know you the the Akudas of the world, right? The guys that cover on the outside. And then I think you consider Simmons, right? I, I, Chase Young as well, right? Chase Young is, but then you consider Simmons, and here's the reason. And, and, and I've and I've tried. I think we've made this argument a number of times, but I think it's important. Safeties, the 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 bust rate for safeties is small, and here's why. You need a bunch of them, and if one of them doesn't work out in the role that you want them to, they can play something else, right? So take take the Chiefs. Tyron Matthew was supposed to be signed to be their Earl Thomas, their middle of the field player. And through a bunch of events, one of them being they drafted Juan Thornhill, but the other one was that he wasn't as good at that as, as he was at playing in the slot. You were able to cobble together a defense worth of valuable players. Kendall Fuller moves to free safety in the playoffs. Matthew plays in the slot. Daniel Sorensen, who's been basically trash his entire career, gets, gets you some value at linebacker. That that is to me the fact that 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 efficacy at the safety position is almost entirely right skewed There's there's very little negative and there's a ton of positive if you find the right role for this guy I do think that there's more value in that sort of like linebacker safety hybrid than we've initially thought And a lot of that stems from the fact that previous iterations of it have just sucked. Mm -hmm. Mark Barron was a guy who couldn't cover and then goes and plays linebacker. And then he can't stop the run or cover there. And so we're like, oh, well, this doesn't really work. Dayon Buchanan, okay in coverage, horrible against the run, can't blitz. So then he's, you know, we can't play. Right. But like, I I think Isaiah Simmons is a little bit different, right? I think he, his rank, you know, he played safety in college, to the degree that like a, you know. Indistinguishable from from you know uh, other safety right. He's not like a linebacker trying to play safety. He's a legitimate safety athlete, mm-hmm. very good at rushing the passer. Again, very like Derwin James in that sense. Yes, but also you brought
0: up the guy that I wanted to bring yeah. up, which is, and I remember being uh, we were sitting in this room a few years ago when the Niners had a chance to take Derwin James, and I was. Like, my pants were off. I was sweating. I was red-faced. I could not wait. I had my Derwin James 49ers jersey ready to order. They took Mike McGlinchey, and, you know, that tears ensued. But this reminds me of Derwin James. And I'm wondering if people will have learned from that and will go, oh, remember the guy that
1: could cover, who played safety, who was also the best pass rusher in the class? Jamal Adams is the best pass rusher on the Jets team. A Jets defense that is top 10 in the league in yards per play allowed. We don't even think about, we don't even, like Marcus May and Jamal Adams were the first and second pick in the Jets draft three years ago. And now that defense is pretty damn good because you have players that can do a ton of things in your secondary, right? Like the bust potential for a safety is small and why teams should be signing a ton of them. why it didn't make any sense why guys like Trey Boston ba- – Trey Boston has been a free agent into June for like three years in a row, yep. and he's been great for three – every single team that signs him is good. Eric Reed, right, he lasted halfway through the season. He's played linebacker for the 49ers. 'd played deep safety for the Carolina Panthers. We just talk about Matthew, right? Matthew's a terrific player, and he can do a few things really well – And then you find another guy like Thornhill can do a few things really well. And you got a pretty damn good secondary. It's why guys like Denzel Ward and Akuda, like they're great draft picks, but the bus potential is really high because they have one thing. They're corners. They're outside corners. That guy's got to succeed at that thing. And that thing is super important. But you have to you understand that the you only that have one shot. There's two tails to that distribution. Yeah, whereas with guys like that can play safety, especially in the league now, where if any defensive coordinator worth his salt is playing three of them at a time, sometimes four, like you just the, the correlations there. I mean, it's anti fragile to to, to to bring up a buzzword. Like there's not a ton of ways you can go completely wrong at the position. I love anti fragile. Would you describe your calf as anti-fragile? No, my calf is extremely fragile. <laughs> the the fibers that make up my calf are fragile. Very fragile.
0: I mean, in my opinion, the top three teams in the draft should be taking a quarterback. Mathematically, the top three teams in the draft should be taking a quarterback. And the one that doesn't get one should be trying to trade down. And if you can't trade down, you should be taking Isaiah Simmons. That is my yeah. That is Especially, my
1: again, we talk about positions where if you're not like how many how many really good linebackers are there in the NFL like linebacker linebackers Right. there's a handful there's a handful which is why Devin White who played pretty well this season is was still not a great draft pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five because he has he has to succeed at being an every down full down linebacker if he fails you're not moving him to slot corner you're not moving him to deep safety so, like, that's a pretty, like, you're trying to shoot the moon with that pick, and unless the guy ends up being Keekly or Warner or uh, Littleton even, and again, Littleton's, like, has a, you know, like, it, it's a tough pick, whereas there's tons of safeties that contribute positively to their teams.
0: Couldn't agree more. Okay. There, there's a really interesting way of looking at the way that this draft could unfold from a trade standpoint that that I was thinking about last night, and I'm curious how you view this. So Timo wrote a really great article, uh, PFF underscore Moo, if you're curious, about what the Redskins should do. And one of the really interesting things that he brings up that we have talked about a bunch is the possibility of choosing between two quarterbacks, whichever one works out, right? And this is something that that teams are just like very reticent to do. But it's something that for the Redskins, particularly because you just don't know that much about J- Dwayne Haskins, is, is worth doing, right? And if you can pick the best one out of that group, you're in a better spot than if you take Chase Young. But the Bengals don't really have that opportunity, right? You know, So to me, it's very interesting. If the Bengals were to trade down and you know, then the, the possibility of taking Tua goes away, are you just saying to yourself, We actually are just we're tanking again, right? Is that really what the the trade down says? And in that case, like, I I really I really would need a Godfather offer because I just I would rather take Burrow now, and if it really doesn't work out, take another quarterback the next year, exactly as a team like the Cardinals or the Redskins could do.
1: Yeah, that I mean, the hard part is that there's a couple different ways. There's a couple reasons why the quarterback makes sense here first off. It makes your team have a better chance of winning right mood mood tweeted out. and It was great. He talked about this was having two quarterbacks in a position where only one plays curbs the left side of the distribution like because both guys have to suck for you to completely lose at that position. So it curbs uncertainty in one direction, but it also like it also like you're also trying to sell tickets. And I'm sorry, like Chase Young does not sell tickets, right? The Isaiah Simmons doesn't sell tickets unless you got a quarterback, right? And so there's another point of it, whereas like you got to generate excitement. Also, bad quarterbacks don't help you develop your team, right? Like we talked about, you know how having Ryan Fitzpatrick in there was a, a good way to tank because at least he was good enough to throw on-target passes to receivers you're trying to figure out about, right? Sure. So there's so much like. I don't like the trade back from one unless it's a humongous offer because you just send a message that, yeah, I know this last season was painful and we had to watch Ryan Finley play for like three freaking games and it was garbage. and bet But, the this, one's gonna but this, this one's going to be worse. This one's going to be worse, but I promise you next year. Because here's the thing about Trevor Lawrence. You don't know. You don't freaking know because you if, just if, ju- know. if, if uh, Justin Herbert would have come out last year, where would he have been drafted? Right, a lot freaking higher than where he's drafted here. Did, did you watch the the national championship game? Trevor Lawrence is a good prospect. I he even, was horrid in that game. that game. He was bad in that game. Yeah, no. It's, it, How do we know? We don't
0: know. That's that's why to me it's a very different. Talking about the Bengals trading down versus the Redskins or the Lions is just like it's a totally different mindset, and that's why if I'm the Bengals, there's basically no way that I'm trading out of that spot. Then you go to the Redskins and you go to the Lions and there is a it's very interesting. The odds to draft Tua uh, Caesars put him out and the co-favorites are the Dolphins and the Lions. And a lot of people thought we were kind of crazy for talking about how the Lions should take Tua. We both also think that the Redskins should take Tua, but they seem to be, you know, totally there's no way. So then they fall to he falls to the Lions and I just can't. I keep coming back to the, like this makes too much sense, um, and it forces also the Dolphins now to think about trading up
1: to try and get them. Here's a question about the Lions, people, because we got a lot of we've gotten a lot of messages about what this sent like what the like how can you say the Detroit Lions are a worst of first candidate and also say they should draft Tua? Do we think a player? Wh- what is one non-quarterback in this draft that's going to be worth? even a win to the Detroit Lions next year. And does that win matter? Because here's the thing. If the if the Lions are the same team a one-win corner, isn't going to matter who gives a f- if they're 4-11 and 1 or 4 and 12 or 5 and 11. Who cares, right? Like you got to get out of that basin even to get to 8-9-10 wins for the one win that Denzel this, Ward offered the Browns would have mattered. Or This was the point we made with the Raiders yeah. though, right? So
0: like Khalil Mack is he a nice asset to have when you're trying to go from 9 to 10 wins right. absolutely but when you're a team that's going to win 3 between 3 and 7 games him being that great of a player actually just hurts your draft pick the next year and he's not he doesn't play a position that allows his greatness to catapult you into a position where you're a Super Bowl contender similarly for the lions that this situation that you're looking at over the next few years is dependent on either Matt Stafford having a glorious return, right? Or you're saying, actually, now we're moving on, and we're moving on to a guy that we currently know is a top prospect. You don't know anything about where you'll be next year. This may be your only shot over the next few years to actually get a guy that could be the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, because if Stafford falls off
1: and can't play again, who gives it? Like, Yeah, it doesn't matter. Jeffrey Okuda at at corner... Or Chase Young should he fall there are not making a difference. They're not if you are starting David Blau, you are winning three games. Exciting. Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. All right. Uh let's
0: do let's close out with um some draft props and a little XFL week three. Uh the only draft prop that I that I saw that was actually remotely interesting so far was over under a number of quarterbacks drafted in the first round. And it's at four and a half.
1: I already bet the under. Okay. So did I
0: (laughs) four and a half. So I guess if you put it,
1: you know, you're, you're
0: saying Herbert's going in the first round. You obviously have the two guys we talked about, and then you still need one other guy to go in the first round in order for you to
1: get to four. Right. Jordan. So the, the clear one, the, the clear favorites are Jordan love, Justin Herbert, and then the, the two actual first round picks. Um, but then you're talking, okay, Jacob Eason, uh Jake Fromm, pa- Anthony Gordon's not going in the first round, even though he's probably better than Herbert and Love. So, like this is the this is the Mason Rudolph question all over again, right? Like uh, two years ago, and Rudolph was a guy who teams were like, ah, maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm with you. I think the under is uh, the under is a smart move here, especially because we've seen. We've seen these, the narratives for these guys, some of them skyrocket. I have a hard time seeing Jordan love like the, the love for Jordan love to be perfectly honest really catch a ton of fire just because there's so much else to talk about in this yeah. draft and so I'm not sure that it will it will skyrocket in a way that says okay well now Jordan love is going to get
1: pushed you
0: know to a top 15 pick and the team that would have taken him in the 20s is like well screw it
1: we got well, to take, you know take somebody and you know why under is minus 150 and it should be I mean the reason why under is also a good bet is because of all the free agent quarterbacks that are True. so like there are tons like the team that signs Jameis is going to is going to be convinced that Jameis is their quarterback for another year and a half and they're going to probably prefer a Jacob Easton in the second the fact that they're Drew Locke first round pick on him yeah maybe. the Drew Locke is gonna the, the fact that Drew Locke lasted until pick forty or something last year I think is emblematic of where. Maybe the smart teams are sort of thinking about these second tier QBs when it's like, yeah, we'll put a Will Greer, we'll put an investment in you, but we're gonna wait till round two or three. We're gonna send our quarterback a message, but we're not gonna draft the guy in the first round because it comes like even like the ten through thirty-two, the message is that, that guy's gonna start for my team relatively soon. And if you sign a guy like Tannehill, like you don't wanna send that message to him, Jameis, I mean the, you, the older guys, Rivers and and, Bre- and Brady, maybe. But even then, Brady's not the kind of guy who's going to come in and be like, yeah, I'm going to start here for a year. No, no you, he wants you to play for three more point, years.
0: You brought this point yesterday and I thought it was great. You're either a, to- a guy that's getting picked in the top ten or you're probably getting reached on. Yeah. So you're either worthy of a top 10 pick or you're convincing yourself this guy should have been and I'm going to jump up to 17 to get him right. You know, like there's just not that many guys that are worth it. It takes a guy like a Lamar Jackson who people just didn't even know what the fuck was going on with Lamar Jackson for that, you know, end of the first round, middle of the first round pick to really be worth it. And I just don't believe any. Obviously, none of these guys are Lamar Jackson. So um, under four and a half, I would pay the price. Uh, XFL week
1: three boom take me through it so here's i think i've found my favorite xfl team and i and i said this so everybody was picking their their team and i said try and sell me on it and i said uh, my favorite team is gonna be the team that covers and so i think i've i think i i think my favorite team now is the st louis BattleHawks. okay can you tell me why I think Jordan Tiamu is a person that who looked really good in our statistics. Mm-hmm. You know, coming out of coming out of college. Okay, and um, they have a pretty good defense, and their odds to win the XFL title. So there's two teams that are like plus two hundred favorites: Houston, and DC, St. Louis. At one and one right now is plus eight hundred to plus a thousand or plus a thousand. That's an extremely good bet.
0: Let me go make. A, let me go make an investment here. Thank you. Thank you for your service. I, too, am now a— So, Sal- so what's the, the, the Battlehawks? Battlehawks. What an incredible name. My, d- my, what's a Battlehawk?
1: My father was, uh, was talking about how politically correct all the names are. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Houston Roughnecks and the, mm-hmm. and the D.C. Defenders. And the, yeah,
0: no Redskins here.
1: There's no, there's no Chiefs. There's no Redskins. There's no—like, anything that could make anybody upset in the XFL. All right. So
0: I, uh, I'm now a St. Louis Battlehawks fan, along with you.
1: Um, the Show Me State, the great state of uh, Kansas. Yes. <laughs> uh, so for this week, um,
0: there are. Let's see. So the the St. Louis Battlehawks play the New York Guardians on Sunday at six. Uh, they are ten point favorites. Are you betting any big favorites like over no. touchdown favorites? Are you?
1: There's no, so, no way, right? So here's the thing. So the the St. Louis was at Houston last week, and Houston, again, was very impressive in week one. St. Louis was eight-point underdogs. Our our colleague Ben Brown said plus eight was a good bet. St. Louis came—they lost outright, but came through the back door and lost by four. The, the thing here—so I think all the big spreads, to me right now, this is a dog under league. So Tampa Bay is plus six-and-a-half at home against Houston— Dog under league. Seattle is five point underdog. uh, Underdogs at home to Dallas. Again, I I I think that's too many. No team in the league. So we talk about St. Louis being our favorite team. I still think they should not be ten point favorites against New York. That has moved up even from eight to open. So like there are people just betting into St. Louis right now. I I think New York. You're you know if you want to hedge your plus eight hundred. New York plus 10 is probably a solid bet. They were they were shut out 27 to nothing last week. I think people are overreacting to that. And then my Sig favorite zag theory of gambling, my my favorite pick against the spread this week um, is the, the last game on Sunday, I believe, which is Los Angeles plus eight and a half at home against D.C. D.C. has won two impressive home games. Yep. L.A. has lost two games, but the first game they didn't have Josh Johnson. The second game was kind of fluky. I think Josh Johnson's still a pretty damn good quarterback for this league, and I think that they can cover the f- you know eight and a half.
0: Boom. Yeah. XFL week three, get excited. There's really nothing else to watch on television.
1: No, and, and it's, again, it's not like if you come in wanting the football to be very good, you're going to be disappointed. If yep. you come in with, with sober understanding, uh, understanding of what the XFL will be, I think it can be entertaining.
0: Yep, and they've smartly positioned these before the heavyweight fight. Uh, on Saturday night, which is very smart. So you can bet on these games, and then you can go bet on uh, Wilder Fury. Did you know that was happening? You must uh-huh. have, Oh, pretty big heavyweight fight. Ayers knows about it. Yeah, he's a boxing fan. Look at that. Too big. Uh, so the funny thing about Wilder Fury. So Deontay Wilder is like a physical specimen of a human being. He's So he, like me. Exactly. Tyson Fury is this big british dude who is legitimately like blubber like when they show the slow motion of him like fighting you see the ripples in like his body (laughs) moving but he's super quick like the dude it's hilarious it's so ironic like
1: jermaine wiggins a former viking stud he has just got
0: this wiggle that is incredible and and deontay is just this massive dude that like you know could kill someone with a punch so uh, if you're looking to bet on something on saturday night i got you i have no idea who i would bet on Who's the favorite? Wilder.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't know.
0: Let me look this up. This is great content. This is what you're looking for when you come to a football podcast. It is Wilder, and he is... Where is it? Jesus, there are a lot of... uh, He is minus 125. So, slightly. Man. I might go Fury. (laughs) Just... just, just because of his bodily countenance. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have any stories from the Y? You haven't been to the Y. So. I haven't, so sorry. Yeah.
1: Bummer. Bummer. It, it does suck. Uh,
0: I don't have any, but I'm very much looking forward to telling some stories from the Indy Marriott uh, gym, yep. which we will be I at. I might next even week. make
1: it there the next week.
0: I am hopeful. Uh, if you make it to Indy next week, you first off, you should, because the, the combine is fun and it's probably the best chance you've got if you're just a random fan of having a beer with someone that matters in the NFL, yep. like you legitimately can go have a beer with like Sean Payton. Like he's just out there. Having I did a good time. Sure. You did. Um, we're also doing a live show on Thursday night at tin roof in downtown Indianapolis. It's like a block from St. Elmo. So um, no matter how inebriated you are, you can make it there and it should be a lot of fun. Um, have some good guests lined up. I don't want to tease any before they are like confirmed. And that's just the nature of the beast. They can, confirm at the last minute but a lot of good guests should be a ton of fun um one of the guests i'll, I'll let at least one of them out there um peter king our good friend he's gonna join us yeah, peter and, one of the best of all time in he, terms of covering the nfl yeah he's awesome and the thing is you often see peter buttoned up you know because that's the way he is this is at night from seven to nine peter enjoys a good beer and so we might talk some beer with peter king he's gonna teach me something I can't wait. Anyways, that's our show. Peace out, guys.